0: Welcome to Gateway Church Wirral Online. We're so delighted that you're with us this morning, so great that you can be a part of our live streamed gathering. Just to welcome you to this space and what we're all about, um, to say that we as a church, we're all about seeing people meet with God, encounter him for all his goodness and his grace and for lives to be changed by him. As a church we want to see a world transformed, made better and better through every life transformed by the grace of God. So our hope and our prayer for you today, meet with Jesus in the things that we're saying, in the things that we're singing, in the way that we're opening up the word of God which is alive for us today. We want you to know Jesus, know that he loves you, know that he has a plan for your life. And as we're going through our gathering this morning, do please connect with us here in this live stream space. You can fill in our connection card. The tab, I think, is at the top of your screen. Request prayer if you'd like to. There are great, friendly people who would love to pray with you. And do just connect with us in any and every way that you'd love to. As a church, we gather, that's what we're about today. When we come to the close of our gathering, I'll tell you how you can connect with us going forward into the week. So have a really great time. Be blessed, enjoy yourself, and enjoy Jesus, we pray. Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to see you here this morning and uh, to know that there's many as well joining us via the live stream. Um, For those of you who are a part of our church, you'll know that our initial plan was to be in a field this morning. Is anybody glad we're not in a field this morning? Yeah. Um, I was saying to someone before, I'm all right with the kind of rain that comes down from the sky, but the stuff that comes sideways, I I don't like that one um, at all. And um, I'm so sorry that we're not able to go and have our fun. Um, If you wish to, afterwards you can picnic in your living room, Uh, put yourself out a blanket, um, turn on a big light and pretend that there is a sun out there somewhere. Um, We will be... um, you can come in. Um, Oh, I think that might be the lift. Um, There might be an issue there with the lift. Okay, that's what that normally means. Apologies. Um, If you're on the live stream, you probably don't have a lift in your front room, uh, but here in the building we do, and I think there's a a siren there for that. Um, Would you stand with me, church? Um, We're going to enjoy a a wonderful time together this morning. I was about to say, we're going to reschedule our um, festival in a field, hopefully for the 22nd of the month. Um, that's our plan. Um, so watch this space and you know watch the skies. Um, but hopefully we'll be able to have all of the fun that we had planned. Um, for those of you with families here today, our Gateway Kids team have very quickly rescheduled, and they do have a plan for the children. I think, oh hello, I think there's going to be some Olympic-themed action um, going on a little later in our gathering. So there'll be a message come up on the screen um, for those who have younger children, and our family room is available downstairs as well for those of you who have tinies, where you can see and hear everything that's going on. Um, Would you join with me in prayer? Let's pray together as we begin our time this morning. Lord Jesus Christ, we have been in desperate need of your rescue. Lord Jesus Christ, there may be some of us here this morning and We haven't yet realized that we've needed rescuing from our sin. We haven't yet realized that we've needed making new. But Lord Jesus Christ, you come to each and every one of us today to do that good work. And so Jesus, this morning we thank you for the cross. We thank you, God, that you have come to seek and to save the lost. And Lord Jesus Christ, we want to be people this morning who are being shaped by this good news, by this gospel. We're wanting to be people, Christians, who are being shaped according to the way of the cross. Lord Jesus, would you help us in these things? Even as we come to sing songs of praise, and God, we're so glad that we we get to sing them. It's a real precious treasure to us this morning. God, would you shape us with these songs in the way of the gospel? As we come to open up the Bible later on today, we pray, Lord Jesus, would you shape us in the way of the gospel? Even our children, as they're having fun this morning, we ask, would you shape them in the way of the gospel? God, whether we're here in this building, whether we're in our homes, whether we're catching up on this because of shifts or whatever it may be, Lord Jesus, wherever we are, would you shape us in the way of the gospel? In your name we pray. Amen, amen. It's a great joy, isn't it, today, church, that we can sing a little louder? Is anybody glad to sing a little louder today? But you know, as we were just singing some of those words, uh, something really struck me. It struck me. I, I recommended last week a book called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. I don't know whether anyone bought it this week that's just gone by. If you didn't, buy it this coming week. Um, because we just sang a lyric um, and it was, sing a little louder with everything inside of me. And you know, when you're kind of on top of the world, that feels like a pretty easy thing to sing, doesn't it? And, and maybe when you're not on top of the world, does that feel like a bit of a, a difficult thing to sing? Or maybe every once in a while, when we say, sing a little louder with everything inside of me, it seems like a, almost like a bit, or maybe a bit like a false thing to sing. Now, can I point you for a moment towards Jesus this morning? Anybody want to be pointed towards Jesus this morning? We'll look towards Jesus. You know, as I've been reading that book that I mentioned, Um, it it, it brought out something that I heard before, but I thought it was so good. And it's the compassion of Jesus. Does anybody know that Jesus is compassionate? Let me just read to you a few of the instances. Uh, In the book I read, this compassion comes in waves over and over again in Christ's ministry, driving him to heal the sick. Matthew 14, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. It drove him to feed the hungry. Matthew 15, I have compassion on the crowd. Because they've been with me now three days and nothing to eat. It drove him to teach the crowds. Mark 6. And he had compassion on them. And he began to teach them many things. And it drove him to wipe away the tears of the bereaved. In Luke 7. And he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Now, what's brought out in this book wonderfully is that word Compassion. It's the same in all of these texts, and it it actually refers to something that's to do with the bowels or the guts of somebody. In the ancient understanding, compassion was a gut expression. It was within them, and so Jesus isn't solely moved by circumstance or solely moved simply by the person that he's looking upon. You know, maybe a lovely person could elicit more compassion, and a a less lovely one wouldn't. No, this compassion—it's the gut of Christ for the people it's who he is that pours out you know if you were to to ask Jesus to sing this song it'd be you know maybe have more compassion Jesus with everything inside of you and he could because he is all compassion do you see what I mean now what does that mean for us what's inside of us Uh, now we're not we're not yet quite like Jesus Although we are being changed, aren't we? From one degree of glory to another. Is anyone thankful for how far Jesus has brought them this far? Yeah? But, but here's the treasure. The Bible teaches me and it teaches you that if you are a believer in Jesus, then Christ is in you. And he is the hope of glory. All glory. And so when we sing, sing a little louder with everything inside of me, it's possible that we could be like Jesus, that our gut could overflow with the goodness of Christ. You know, you'll forgive the language. It sounds a bit gross, doesn't it? But you understand what I mean. That just, you know, you know every time your reflex reaction would be grace and goodness and the singing of hallelujahs and all the glory of God overflowing. Now, this is possible. Why? Because Christ is in you. Christ is in you. So come on, church, just for a moment or two. Can I invite you to lift your hearts, lift your hands, lift your voices, and thank your Savior that He is in you. And this is the hope of glory. The hope that we have, although much we don't yet see, it does not disappoint because our hope is in Christ. Everything you face this week, your guts can overflow with the responses of Christ because He is in you. All the challenges you face, you can reflect the way of Christ when you face them because He is in you. All the opportunities for you to share the goodness of Christ, that can flow from you because He is in you and He is the hope of glory for you. Jesus, we praise You. We praise You this morning. Praise You this morning. Ora da ma Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Christ I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning and for myself that by the work of your spirit you would cause us to have a remembrance, a realization and please God a revelation of this truth that you Christ are in us, you are the hope of glory, Lord Jesus Christ we thank you that our hope placed in you, it cannot disappoint. And it cannot fail. So, Lord Jesus Christ, if God, we need to confess before you this morning that we've been placing our hope in other things, then Jesus, grant us the humility and the grace to make that confession right now. Lord Jesus, we don't want to be people who place our trust in anyone or anything else. You, Jesus, you satisfy, you sanctify. You are the completion of the good work that you are doing in us. Lord Jesus, we commit ourselves to your way. Oh, Jesus. Can we sing a little louder? Can we do that one more time? Jesus, Jesus. Sing a little louder. Hallelujah. your hallelujah to lift these things is, is to praise the Lord it's to praise the Lord oh he is worthy of our praise isn't he it's good to be formed in the way of praise and what we've been doing this morning is we've been recognizing that we we praise God because of Jesus okay we praise God because of Jesus and what we're trying to do is we're trying to think Christianly about our lives, everything we face, and we're trying to, to think about God through the way of Christ. There's no other good way to do it. You know, we sang something else, didn't we? We sang, fear has got no hold on me. Now, how, how can we sing that one? How can we sing that one? Well, we have to think Christianly about these things, don't we? Who is, who loves you? <laughs> who loves you? Anybody, who loves you? Jesus loves you, Okay. And the Bible teaches us that perfect love casts out fear. You know, who loves you perfectly? Jesus Jesus loves you perfectly. So look, come on. Everything we sing, we're we're coming through God, through Jesus to our Father. Uh, This is why we sing these things. This is where your hallelujah comes from. This is where your hallelujah comes from. It's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. You're welcome to take a seat if you'd like to do so. You know, and even as we've been saying this morning, um, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Uh, It might be this morning you say, I don't know whether Jesus is in me. It sounds a bit odd, to be honest. It gets stranger. Not only does the Christian way teach us that Christ is in us, the hope of glory, the Bible also teaches us that if you are a believer, a follower of Jesus, if he is your Lord and Savior, you are hidden with Christ in God. This is very strange, isn't it? Sounds all very kind of Russian dolls, doesn't it? This is the nature of salvation. You're fundamentally changed. If this morning you're here with us present today or uh, watching this and taking part, and you say, I don't know, is Christ in me? Am I in God? Look, today's your day. You can know the realities of these things. I want you to hold on to that, that today is your day, that you can be in Christ today. We're going to do something more about that as we come to a conclusion but if you want to, if you're on the live stream and you want to chat with someone about that, then there are, there's a host there and I know she would love to chat with you and, and you can receive prayer to know that you are in God and he is in you. This is good news, isn't it? Do yes. more than four of us know that this is good news this morning? Yeah, excellent. Six or seven, excellent. We're getting there, we're getting there. Um, as we come to the conclusion of our gathering, we're going to sing again. Um, that's good, isn't it? I've enjoyed singing this morning. I think I enjoyed it more this week than, than last week. I'm getting back in the groove. Anybody else? Getting back in the groove of singing? You sound beautiful this morning, by the way, church. Would you turn to someone near you and say, you sound beautiful this morning? Could you tell them that? And tell them, would you tell them they look beautiful as well? Would you te- tell them that they look beautiful? Uh, Ron, you look beautiful this morning. Yeah, thank you. Um, at home, you look beautiful. I know you sat at home in your PJs on your 15th coffee. You look beautiful. Um, God bless you. Um, I'm so blessed um, with our live stream. Just as I was kind of helping with the hosting first thing, I saw we have have church holiday makers who are joining us on the live stream. How lovely is that? You guys are going above and beyond. You're fantastic. God bless you. It's not just because it's raining outdoors. I know that. You're with us because you love us. We love you. Uh, we've got some great stuff we've got planned for our live stream as we go forward into the autumn. It's going to be great. We've got great things planned for everything as we go forward into the autumn. Watch this space. I'm feeling good. Anyone else feeling good this morning? Yeah? Look, even if you're not feeling so good this morning, you're in the right place because Jesus is here. Amen? And He wants to, well, he wants to do something rather wonderful for us. It's not just solely about our feelings, but you know, Jesus cares about your feelings. He has compassion upon you in every regard. His gut is overflowing with goodness for you. Yeah, you're like, will you stop talking about the gut of Jesus, Greg? It's freaking me out. Oh, come on, it's who he is. Jesus is like a stick of Blackpool rock, isn't he? You go anywhere in it, and overflowing is joy and goodness and love and grace. It's probably the only time I'm going to refer to Jesus like a stick of Blackpool rock. Can we say Jesus is the true and better Blackpool Rock? Can we do I don't know. Is that going too far? He's the true and better everything good, isn't he? I love Jesus. Anyone else love Jesus? Is anyone else wishing Pastor Greg would open the scriptures and start talking sense sometime soon? Yeah, okay. A few of you are nodding. You're the honest ones. The rest of you are nodding on the inside. Um, we are going to come around the word just starting next week. It's not this week. You can take that away. It's, you're too excited. It's not this week. it's next week? We're going to the movies next week in church. Uh, we've done this a few summers. What we're going to do is we're going to we're going to take a few uh, movies, current movies that are in the cinemas. Anybody remember the cinema? Ah, those halcyon days. Yeah. How much popcorn have you eaten on your couch this past year? Tell the truth. Hot dogs with all the mess on them. Yeah. Microwave nachos. Ugh. Um, We're going to go to the movies, and what we're going to find is we're going to find the the gospel in the movies. Most movie makers don't know that they're talking about the gospel, but you know, there's never really been a good story that hasn't really been inspired by Christ Jesus, and we're going to see some redemption through these things. So if you know people who love movies, and even if you know people who don't, just offer them popcorn. Uh, Bring them along. Tell them to come on the live stream. We're going to go to the movies in the next few weeks. Today, we're just going to talk about Jesus and the gospel. Is anybody up for that? I'm going to talk about Jesus and the gospel this morning, uh, but before we talk about Jesus and the gospel, we're going to talk about a Range Rover in a pond. Um, we've got a picture, that is a picture we want, a Range Rover in a, can you see that, can you see that Range Rover in a pond? Um, what on earth, you might be thinking, is Pastor Greg going to talk about now, what on earth would motivate somebody to drive a Range Rover through a pond? Let me tell you about this, the man driving that Range Rover was a man named Nathan, Um I met a man named Nathan recently. Is it, would he do this kind of thing? Maybe he would. Uh, probably would. Um, I, this guy named Nathan and two of his mates, they were inspired by uh, Roger Moore playing James Bond in The Spy Who Loved Me. Do you remember that movie where they had a modified Lotus Esprit that went underwater? Do you remember Lotus Esprit? Anybody... No car people, a few car people. You know what I'm talking about. Um, and uh, and they went underwater. And what they decided was, they had a bit of free time on their hand during lockdown. They decided, let's take a more rural approach at this. And they turned a 1987 Range Rover Classic into their very own amphibious vehicle, because, of course, uh, why would you not? Uh, no high-tech methods were employed. You can probably see it in the picture there. Basically, the only thing they did was get some drain pipe and duct tape. Does anybody know you can pretty much do anything with duct tape in life? Are you with me? Yeah? Are you my kind of DIY people? Get me another roll. Um, Duct tape is the way forward. And they duct taped a drain pipe onto the exhaust of their vehicle. All right. They had some other good ideas. They kept the windows open just in case they needed an escape hatch. They're thinking ahead, these guys. They've got everything covered. And, um, And then basically... Um, This Nathan, he drove this car then through an eight-foot-deep pond, fully submerged. They they just got it done. And um, they used the incredibly high-tech methodology of Nathan holding his breath and closing his eyes. That was it. That that was the whole thing. He just held his breath, closed his eyes, windows down, and uh, drove through the pond. And it worked. They did it. And then, not only did it work once, 15 seconds later, it came out of the pond, emerging triumphant. Um, 800,000 people have watched this on YouTube. You can go away and be the 800,000 and first person to watch this. But they did it multiple times. And it worked over and over and over again. Um, and and uh, they're, they're planning on, um, on modifying a little bit more with like a snorkel system for poor Nathan so that you can do it a bit further, drive around underwater. I don't know whether they're going to give him goggles as well. Um, fantastic. I can see a few of you smiling. You're like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Um, please, I, I need to say this. Don't try this at home. Uh, I don't want this to be on me. It's on you, frankly, if you're as nuts as Nathan. But I thought it was lovely. Do you know, we, we live in a world that is obsessed with the novel, with the shiny, with the new. And while Nathan and his buddies were strapping a a drain pipe to their 1987 Range Rover and, and, you know, driving through a muddy pond, some some rich blokes spent billions of US dollars and, and other, you know, currencies getting themselves up into space, didn't they? This seemed to be the lockdown project for some of the billionaires of our planet. And and whilst they, you know, espouse these noble goals for it, I think we all know that there may just be a little three-letter word involved, ego. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, just a little smattering of that. And, and everybody wants to pursue the shiny and the glorious and the grandiose and all these kinds of things. And huge amounts of global resource are channeled into these things so that um, very few um, Western men can go and realize their little dreams that they used to have when watching Thunderbirds or whatever. I don't know. I'm a bit more with Nathan and his drainpipe on his Range Rover you know sometimes we need to get back to basics we need to get back to, you know, what is the, the simple and the ordinary, the brass tacks, the, the tried and tested, the true and certain. You know, we live in a world where, I don't know whether you can remember back, and I don't know so much about fashion. Uh, I think that's fairly obvious. Um, but it used to, <laughs> don't laugh too much. I thought you would just giggle a little. You're mean. Um, but, uh, you know, it used to be, wouldn't it, that the, 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 the high street shops, they would release new clothes like four or five times a year. Do you remember these days? And there would be such a thing as the autumn winter collection. See, I do know a bit. Um, I know, and um, and they were releasing. Nowadays, you go into the shop, and every other week there's like an entire brand new range, isn't there? And you must buy the latest things. And people don't even go into the shops these days. They just go online, buy everything they see, and then plan to send some of it back later. I'm told that's how you do it these days. Is that right? Some of you are nodding knowingly. Some of you are nodding on the inside, like I don't want to admit to this, but I do this. And uh, it's just—it's all about the new, isn't it? And then huge amounts of clothes pile up in land fill. You know, I'm I'm not guilting you here. This is a moment for the gospel. Grace be upon you. Um, But we always pursue the new and the new and the new. And we think if, if we just get something new, if we just try something new, then somehow, 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 something, we can't even define what we want. You know, we do this with our christian faith as well once upon a time we reveled in the glory of the gospel Jesus had washed away our sins and he'd made us new. That we were so clean, we were so delighted to be so. We sought Jesus in the scriptures. We meditated upon his person and his works. We worshiped God together with the saints at every opportunity. Nothing could stop us. Wild horses couldn't stop us from not only gathering with the saints and worshiping with the saints, but serving the saints and going with the saints so that the other people might know that they could be made new in Jesus Christ. But, you know, now Primark has got some new clothes out. Life has a new challenge or opportunity. And, you know, the simple things of our faith in Christ take a back seat. And it's not a back seat of a trusty old Range Rover anymore. It's the back seat of whatever shiny new thing we thought we needed. You know, we're less likely to take an old Range Rover, solid, dependable, powerful. I could talk about the gospel, couldn't I? Solid, dependable, powerful. We're less likely to run that through the eight-foot-deep ponds of life than we are to simply chuck it out when the going gets tough or try and find a way around the challenges of life. Trade it in for something new. Or maybe keep it in the garage, even though we never get in, and go where it will take us. You know, this morning, as some of us were praying before the gathering, somebody felt a word from God, uh, really, and it was around the idea of what routes are you taking? What route are you taking this morning? You know, if we really want to meet with Christ and be changed by Him and to be formed in the way of the cross, you've got to choose what route you're taking. You know, when you get up of a morning, what route are you going to take through the day? Are you going to take the route that is perhaps on the easiest road with the least traffic? Or are you are going to take the route that gets you to the destination you want to go? If that's the cross, oftentimes the route's going to be the hardest route. The traffic might seem that it's coming against you all the time. You choose the route that gets you where you want to go. There's a, a poem that um, in our family we've become pretty familiar with. And, um, and it's in this book of poems that we have for the kids. And, and we sometimes read some poems at bedtime. And... Um, and uh, One of the poems, it's got this beautiful picture of a really busy city scene, and, um, and, and there's a little child up in an upstairs window looking out over all of the busyness below, and, and it starts off with, there go the grown-ups, and, and it describes you know, where they're going, but then how they go, and it's, what is it, worry, flurry, hurry, scurry. Does that sound like anybody's life? It can get that way, can't it? And the scene, worry, hurry, flurry, scurry. Sounds a bit like that. But the the culmination of of the poem is like this. It says, no wonder grown-ups don't grow up anymore. And the little child is having this kind of like incredible moment. No wonder grown-ups don't grow up anymore. It takes a lot of slow to grow. I, I feel like a little bit of conviction every time I read that poem. Anyone else? No? Right, I'm coming around to your house at bedtime. I'm going to read your poems. (laughs) You're like, oh, Greg, don't know that. (laughs) Doesn't even know where we live. Leave us alone. Um, I'm coming. No wonder grown-ups don't grow up anymore. It takes a lot of slow to grow. You know, we live in a world that is in the pursuit of the faster and the higher and the better and the further. I think I just quoted the Olympic motto. Um, That's what we've just been seeing, haven't we, just for like the last two weeks, But the Christian gospel invites us to the slow and the steady. This gospel, it hasn't changed for 2,000 years. And spoiler alert, it's not gonna. Some of us, let's have another Olympic moment. We're quite happy with the gospel being the diving board. And I'm quoting someone else, I can't remember who, but we fail to realize that the gospel is the diving board, but it's the whole pool as well. The gospel is the whole thing. We enter by the gospel. We're sustained by the gospel. We're shaped by the gospel. We're nourished by the gospel. The gospel is what is at work within us all the days of our life by means of the word of God and according to the power of the spirit such that we might be presented on that day of Christ Jesus coming. And what will we have? The gospel and nothing else. The question that will be asked of us is, yes, what have you done with your life? But also, what have you done with Jesus? What have you done with his cross? His invitation? We have the gospel. It's the only thing that we need. It's the only thing that we will ever need. It's the gospel that we read of in First Corinthians chapter 1. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, as Paul often does in his letters to the various churches, he reminds people of the gospel, because we need reminding. And he says this, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. But we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews, and folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Just in the language that's used there, Paul is is comparing, contrasting the gospel with, kind of with, with the, the, the wisdom of, of, of the legalism that was pursued by some, of the righteousness that some felt that they had by means of a status or a standing or a heritage. He's comparing and contrasting the gospel with the, the wisdom of the world. That would seem to discount religious ways or comparing and contrasting the gospel with the licentiousness of the world that just says take what you can when you can however you can and he's saying though this gospel seems foolishness to those who place their trust in all those other things it is the wisdom of God the wisdom of God for those who are being saved and his power are you being saved by Jesus not not just have you been saved by Jesus, but are you being saved by Jesus? Were you born again today? Do you recognize, did you rise from your bed knowing that you are rising into the newness of life that Jesus has granted you today? That's it. You didn't get today by any other means except the grace of Jesus except by his work within you. It's just the grace of God, just the grace of God. It's the simple gospel of an old rugged cross. It's tried and it's tested, it's rejected by many, but received by those whom God is at work in. I read this week an an excellent commentator, Jared Wilson, he put it like this. He said, Christians need the gospel as much as lost people do. Not in the same way, of course, but just as much. The New Testament tells us that our present status and ongoing sanctification is empowered by the gospel of grace. That's 1 Corinthians 15. We'll, We'll check it out in a moment. That our training in godliness is conducted by the gospel of grace, that's Titus 2. We'll check that out in a moment. That our transformation into Christ's likeness is enabled by the beholding of the gospel of grace. That's 2 Corinthians 3, again for a moment. Therefore, we cannot and must not reserve the gospel only for the lost. Look, if you fooled yourself somehow into thinking that once upon a time you needed the gospel, but now you're okay then you fooled yourself. That's exactly what's happened. You need the gospel as much today as you ever did and as you ever will. There's never going to be a waking, breathing moment of your life when you don't need the gospel of Christ Jesus. There's never going to be any way you can live your life that will be better than if you lived it according to the gospel of Christ Jesus. And the only thing that is going to craft the character and conduct of Christ Jesus within you is the gospel of Jesus as applied by His Spirit you ain't got the gospel, you ain't got nothing. This is it, this is everything. Often we practice an accidental or maybe deliberate, I don't know, uh, thing it's called moralistic therapeutic deism. Have you heard of this? It's this idea that there is some kind of, you know, godly kind of thing out there somewhere and we do vaguely believe in it. And if we just kind of fix ourselves a little bit enough according to some of the things that he's written in a book somewhere, then somehow God will bless us materially in the here and now and then we can give him some praises when we feel like it every once in a while. It's not Christianity. God is interested in shaping you in the way of Christ. You have never been good enough. You are not good enough and you will never be good enough. And I know that because neither am I. Not a one of us is. It is only Jesus who makes us good enough. We need him. We need the gospel when we're faced by the challenges of today. Whether we're faced by the challenges of a global pandemic or whether we're faced by the challenges of our own family or our own finances. We need the gospel. We need the gospel. What does the gospel look like? just going to look at a few scriptures briefly and then a story as we come in to conclude today oftentimes many of us we look at our lives or maybe we look at the lives of those around us or maybe we look at our world and we fall into the trap of thinking that what's really needed is for people or maybe ourselves to pull up our socks and try a bit harder Or maybe what the people around us really need is just a smack upside the head, maybe with a bit of two before, and that'll just fix everything. You know, if only people, uh, and maybe that's the way you were brought up, I don't know. I should probably say at this point, that isn't the way I was brought up. My parents are here, and you know, I don't want you to think wrongly of them. They didn't ever hit any of us with a piece of two before. At most, it was one by one. It was, uh, no, 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 not really. (laughs) Sorry, they didn't know, no no sticks, no hitting, I should, know. no, I'm digging a hole here, aren't I, um, no, but, um, you know, sometimes we think that really, you know, people should just, you know, sort themselves out, or man up, you know, we were watching a bit of Olympic action the other day, and, um, the commentator was kind of struggling with a way to describe how some of the more elite athletes were stretching away from the crowd. And I think what he was trying to aim at was that phrase we sometimes say, this will separate the men from the boys. You know that phrase that we say? And, um, but you can't say that when it's women's athletics, can you? Because um, there are neither. And I asked Erin, does anybody ever say this is what will separate the women from the girls? And she said, no, nobody says that. And I was left with the conclusion that it's probably, again, because blokes are a bit ego-driven. I think that's probably true. Look, the fact of the matter is, life is not about being a bit tougher than the next person. Or kind of stretching your advantage or really pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Or, you know, having somebody smack you upside the head or smacking someone else upside the head to fix everything. It just doesn't work. There's a story in the Bible, Numbers chapter 20. And the people of God are getting pretty close to actually finally entering the land that God had promised them. And there's this moment when um, Moses is kind of its kind of like a, you know how the Bible retells everything? Um, and it's because we're a bit daft. I was going to say stupid, but that sounds blunt, doesn't it? I'm stupid, you're daft. And, um, and And the Bible retells things over and over again. And Moses is supposed to come and speak to a rock. And the water's supposed to come out. But having endured the grumbling, discontent, misery guts, ungrateful, sinful, rebellious nonsense of the people of God over and over and over and over again, he finally snaps and he whacks the rock, doesn't he? And he whacks the rock um, as he's yelling at the people um, and commands the the water to come forth, and and there's so many interesting things that happen in this story, aren't there? One is that it still comes out. You know, if I was God, and this is another good reason why I'm not God, (laughs) I don't know what we're up to now, about 347 good reasons why I shouldn't be God, Um, at least uh, 347,000. If it was me, I'd be like, well, you messed up there, Moses, come back to me when you've sorted yourself out. I'll take my water elsewhere. But the fact that the water comes out speaks to us something profound about the nature of God and the way he wants to work with his people, doesn't it? Because it's grace. Because in that moment, not only did the people not deserve the gracious provision of God, but Moses didn't either. And you know, the Bible teaches us that until, you know, John the Baptist at the very least, and certainly Jesus comes on the scene, that nobody had ever been like Moses. He'd seen God face to face and talked with him as a friend. Can you imagine such a thing? It's startling, isn't it? This Moses had lost sight of the way in which God wanted to work amongst his people. Even his stinking, downright nasty people. Now, I know none of you here would ever be downright nasty. (laughs) hmm Would we? <laughs> I know none of you here would ever be rebellious. Hmm. I know that I never get it wrong. Nonsense. Moses misunderstood. And you see, this is a really significant thing because Moses then couldn't lead the people into the land that they were given because God was actually wanting to do a work of grace. Grace. And Moses hadn't understood that. That's a pretty big deal. Now I know sometimes we look at the story and say, so I know I've looked at it I'm like, well he got one thing wrong. Come on, chalk it up against all the other stuff. Does anybody know that's not grace? <laughs> because if that was the measure that God gave to people, then which of us are going to balance our scales out? The good against the bad. I know I'm going down. It's grace. And it's not about Moses did one thing wrong against all the other things. It's Moses didn't understand the way that God was wanting to work grace in his people. Moses, in, in, in that at least, didn't get the gospel. It didn't stop God administering the gospel. And so the water flows for the people. It happens even though the people didn't deserve it. And even though Moses was set actually against the gospel in that moment. Another pastor, Leaklov, he rightly points out, look, since dispensing grace in word and action is so delightful, and isn't it? You know, if you've ever been a minister of God's grace to somebody else, or you've received that from somebody else, it is so delightful, isn't it? But he, he, he says this, he says, since it's so delightful, why are we so prone to laying down the law with a thwack? Moralism so easily trumps mercy. So easily trumps mercy. You know, we think that whacking rocks with sticks is how God wants to be at work in his world. We think that, you know, standing there and, and, and shouting at people and telling them where they're wrong and how they've got it wrong and, and, well, if you just come close to me, then I'll hit you with the stick of the Bible. And we think that that's the way God wants to work in the world. You know, truth be told, sometimes, you know, I feel that like in myself. I, I, by God's grace, I pastor a church and I ask God, help me to, you know, put away the stick. Because it's such a temptation, isn't it, in our humanity? You're looking at me like I would never be tempted. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. There's such a temptation. This is not how God wants to work amongst his people or in the world. Again, Pastor Eklov puts it so well when he says, giving grace is always risky. A lot of grace seems to go to waste. <laughs> yeah? A lot of grace seems to go to waste. I thought that was just brilliant. You can get a picture, can't you, of the rock, and the water's flowing out, and there it is, and it's hitting the dirty, dusty floor, and how much of it just sucked up into the ground while well, everyone's shocked at Moses? <gasps> before somebody thought, we should probably get a bucket here, shouldn't we? And the grace just pours out on the dry and weary land. A lot of it seems to go to waste. You know, Pastor F. Clovey says, a lot of it seems to go to waste, at least from our human perspective, but that has never stopped God. Hallelujah. So, dear brothers and sisters, let's keep our wits and gamble on grace. (laughs) That's how it feels, doesn't it? You know, I I know sometimes we we live within this kind of poverty mentality and we think somehow that what we're invited to do in the world is give our own best. Not so. I mean, honestly, we're probably more rock than Moses, aren't we? All that we're invited to do is to allow the Word of God to speak to us and let the water flow. There's a freedom for somebody this morning. You're a rock and that's good. (laughs) Don't need to be fancy about this. Let the grace pour out. What else are you going to do with it? Now, very quickly, how does this gospel work in us? We said already there's a few aspects that we want to draw out from the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians 15, we read these words. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. What are we seeing here? The gospel accomplishes the ongoing sanctification of your life. That is the ongoing setting of your life apart as holy unto God. You're fundamentally changed. Your life is not any longer pointed principally toward anybody else or even yourself. Your life is set for God. And this is an ongoing work. So when the Bible there tells us this is the gospel in which you stand, by which you are being saved, we need to recognize that there is this ongoing sanctifying work that God is wanting to accomplish through the gospel of grace in our lives. You know, you preach to yourself the gospel. You let me this morning preach to you the gospel. You gather in your transformed communities and tell one another the gospel and you're being made more like Jesus in the process. That's really good news, isn't it? There's power in the gospel. Come on, don't make this, don't make this an occasional thing for you. You know, don't just kind of rock up to church once in a while because you felt like your gospel meter has got down crazy low and you need a little top up. <laughs> you know, we need to be re-evangelized all the time all the time you know we need to be topped up look we know as Pentecostal believers we need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit you know ongoing kind of pouring in partly because it's flowing out and partly because we're really leaky we need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit but I would suggest as well you need to be being filled with the gospel because you're really leaky I'm really leaky And the gospel is just dribbling out of me all the time. And I need to be re-evangelized by the gospel. Because the world's trying to evangelize me with something else that's not good news. Sanctification. Secondly, Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 says this, For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. The gospel trains you in godliness. Look, once upon a time, you were dead. As you know this, spiritually speaking. You, were, you, know, you weren't just like, God, the gospel doesn't take good people and make them better. The gospel takes dead people and brings them to life. The gospel's much better than you think it is. And and because you were dead, you didn't know how to live a godly life. Because, you know, dead people don't know much. It's all right. We were all there once. But God wants to train us in godliness, to live according to his ways. And what does this? The gospel does this. Meet with your transformed community. Tell one another about the multifacets of the gospel because otherwise you're not going to be able to walk in the way of Jesus. If you think you can do this on your own, it's probably because you think the gospel is much smaller than it actually is. If you're living as a believer on your own, never being formed in the way of the gospel, it's probably because you haven't realized how great and glorious the gospel is. Thirdly, 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So we've got sanctification, we've got training in godliness, and here we've got transformation into Christ-likeness. It's enabled and this is not simply by things that you do or get invited into doing. It's just by beholding. Beholding the gospel of grace in the person of Jesus. That's what that verse is all about. It's you need to gaze upon Jesus and see his pierced hands and feet, his pierced side. You see his woundedness as he comes to heal you. See his brokenness as he comes to make you whole. We need to be transformed. The gospel is not just the diving board. It's the whole pool. Been a couple of miraculous, well, not miraculous, but marvelous um, stories in the Olympics. There's been lots, but a couple that really stood out to me. They're about, you know, persevering in doing the ordinary. (laughs) I know it's kind of extraordinary. Everyone at the Olympics is a bit extraordinary, but sometimes... Some really have to keep going, don't they? I might get her name wrong. A lady from the Philippines. I get her like a shout out for the Philippines, first ever. Fantastic. Um, Is it Heidelin? 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 Heidelin Diaz? Country's first ever Olympic gold medalist. She won the women's... (laughs) I knew you wouldn't be able to hold back forever. There's like, there's Filipinas, I I just can't keep it in. Um, 55 kilo category for weightlifting at Tokyo. She made it look easy, didn't she? She was phenomenal. Um, But get this, look, this was her fourth Olympics. Four Olympics. I don't think I could lift anything that she's ever lifted once, but she's done it four times at the highest level but she had to really persevere. She lifted a combined weight of 224 kilos, an Olympic record. That's quite a lot, isn't it? Um, <laughs> no. Uh, but look, in 2012, she didn't record a successful lift in the Olympics. Wow. It's not even one. She said, my failure was so public, I was trolled online and bashed in the media. And although it was hard for me, it was more for my family. But she continued saying, I didn't feel shame. I was just hurt because I love my country and would do everything for it. She serves in the military, doesn't she? Or she has done. Um, I did question if I deserve that kind of treatment, but I continue to love and serve the Philippines. Wow, what a woman. And coming from that place, she then came back, she got the silver, and then she went on, and this time, the gold. Even though last year she was stuck in Malaysia because of COVID restrictions, and she couldn't get out, and she was in lockdown there without any of her training equipment, she resorted to lifting heavy bottles of water. I don't think it was that little 500 mil one. (laughs) Um, Incredible. Filipino women. Fantastic. I think we know that in this church, don't we? Um, not just Philip, British women as well. How, how about Holly Bradshaw, pole vaulter? Isn't she incredible? After a decade, when she'd become known as the nearly woman of British athletics, she's now a bronze medalist, the first ever British medalist in the pole vault. She said, it's something I've been working for my whole life and I didn't know if it was ever going to come my way, she said, I was queen of the fourth, fifth and sixth. That's not bad, most of us can only dream of such things. But look, she said, but I finally did it, and I can't believe it. Nine major global championships she's contested in. 29 years old, she's been flinging herself over those sticks with the big bendy stick. She's got to be nuts, hasn't she? Nine years she's been doing it. She's gone through abuse online, body shaming, and all sorts of things that have plagued her journey, but she kept going. And she flung herself over that stick. She did it. They're incredible stories, aren't they? Look, this is people. And they—you know life gives them 1987 Range Rovers. And they're like, right, I've got some duct tape and a drain pipe. I'm going to do this thing. You know? They're incredible people. Would you stand with me this morning? Look, Christians, this morning, what have we been doing? We've been telling one another the old, old story. This is not nine years of perseverance or four Olympics. This is not a 1987 Range Rover. This is 2,000 years of the cross. This is all of human history of the work of Christ in and through our lives. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. Can I invite you, church, just to close your eyes for a moment? What's the gospel to you and for you and in you and through you? Have you tried to journey away from the gospel? Have you thought, yes, once upon a time I needed that, but I'm okay now? Come on, let's come again to the gospel this morning. There's not a one of us that doesn't need to be sanctified by the gospel of grace. There's not a one of us that doesn't need to be trained in godliness by the way of the gospel of grace. There's not a one of us that doesn't need to be transformed by beholding the Savior who has brought and wrought for us the gospel of grace. We need Jesus. This morning, as we're led in song to conclude, I'm gonna invite you to come again and share in communion. At home, please do get yourself some bread or crackers and some juice or a cup. Here in the building, I'm gonna invite you um, because we still have some level of wanting to respect our our need for, for space and so on. We have the cup here at the front. And as we're led in song this morning and as you're contemplating the gospel of grace, here's what I want you to do, Christians. I want you to say to yourself, yes, I need the gospel of Christ Jesus. Form me in the gospel of Jesus, please, Spirit of God. And, you know, when you're coming to that place for yourself, then come take for yourself a cup and, you know, go back to your seat. Eat the bread of life. Christ Jesus his body broken for you drink this morning the life is in the blood there is power in the blood of Jesus and this cup here represents to us that we want to be people of the gospel so let's sing as we conclude this morning let's take let's eat and let's go as people of the gospel shaped according to the gospel let's take the gospel let the Spirit of God speak to us, mere rocks, and let the gospel pour out of us this morning. God bless you. Let's share together. Once again, it's been such a delight to be able to share together as a church this morning and uh, we know uh, that taking what God has been doing in our lives, we can go and have wonderful weeks with him. Just to um, invite you um, to journey together with one another as we go through the week. We as a church, we don't just gather, but we get going into what God has for us together, and we have these things called transform communities. We would love to help you to connect with other like-minded people who are exploring God's goodness and grace and seeing how they can be a part of his transforming work in the world. So again, hit us up, get in touch. We'd love to help you to connect. Anything that you need, any prayer requests, do let us know. And we will love to see you again this time next week. God bless you and bye for now.